Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show, our theme, Christianity and its relationship to politics and pop culture. These past few days, we've been talking about God's people, the Jews, or are they still God's people? Aren't Christians God's people? Yes, anybody who gives their life to Christ becomes a child of God. Does that mean that God is not dealing with the Israelites anymore? Some people will say to me, but Bob... Aren't Jews under a curse for killing Christ? In fact, didn't they call that curse down upon themselves? Let me be as clear and emphatic as I possibly can. No, the Jews are not under a curse, and neither are they the only nation responsible for the death of Jesus. The Romans are equally responsible. Actually, it can be argued that everybody is responsible. If not for your own personal sins and my own personal sins, Jesus would not have needed to come and die. My friends, his death was not an accident. It's not like he and his disciples were planning a trip to Bermuda and the crucifixion suddenly ruined everything. Dying was his purpose in coming. However, if we're talking historically, the Jews and the Romans together were certainly responsible for his death. Although initially it was only the Jewish leaders who hated Jesus and the larger Jewish population which liked him, the population was eventually stirred by the leaders to the point where they too turned on Jesus was right in the middle of his trial before Pilate. At the time of Christ, Israel of course was a conquered people. The land was known as Judea. They still had religious freedom, but politically, they were at the mercy of Rome. Under Roman law, the Jewish Sanhedrin, a kind of puppet court made up of Pharisees and the priestly aristocracy, did not have the authority to kill Jesus. They would have if they could have. Instead, they gave him to the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, and he had Jesus executed. Thus, we were left at that tired, irrelevant debate over who killed Jesus, the Jews or the Romans. Actually, it was a collaborative effort. In any event, both the Jews and the Romans are forgiven. It's true that the Jewish crowd in front of Pilate tested fate with some terrible words. We read about these words at the end of Matthew. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Yes, that's horrific. However, this curse was immediately neutralized by Jesus from the cross. What did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. These words apply to all who were responsible for Christ's death. Think about it. If Jews were under a curse, then how do we explain the Holy Spirit's miraculous blessing of the early church made up of Jews and led by the Jewish apostles? I'm reading from Acts chapter 2. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Also, we must 
keep in mind that it was not merely the average Jewish populace that converted to Christianity. Many of the very leaders who were hostile to Jesus during his ministry also converted. Acts chapter 15 tells us that a number of Pharisees were part of the church. Acts chapter 6 says the same thing about Jewish priests. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Jews who became Christians did not start turning on their own people. If anything, they now had even more love for their people. In Romans chapter 9, we read the following words of the Apostle Paul. I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and increasing anguish in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption as sons. Theirs the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship. And the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all forever praised. My friends, does that sound like a description of a cursed people to you? And remember, Paul later on added something else to those words. We looked at them on an earlier program, but let's look at them again. I ask then, did God reject his people? By no means. Romans chapter 11. In these last few minutes, I want to wrap up this three-day series. We're talking today about how God has not cursed Israel. In previous shows, we've talked about how the Abrahamic covenant is still in operation, even though the Mosaic covenant isn't, and how prophecy about Israel and its relationship to the second coming of Christ is something that cannot be allegorized or spiritualized to talk about the church instead of Israel. Some of you may be thinking, as you're listening to these past three shows, all right, Bob. So God hasn't cursed Israel, so Israel's still going to see some prophecy fulfilled. Well, what's the big deal? Supposing some prophetic events are still on Israel's radar, but Christians fail to recognize this. Is that really the end of the world? Is our view of prophecy a deal breaker as far as forgiveness of sin is concerned? Isn't the important thing that people get saved? Well, yes, of course, Christians have been disagreeing on matters of theology and Bible interpretation for quite some time, so long as they at least understand the cross, the Apostle Paul did not worry too much about differences of opinion. He said this very thing to the Corinthians when they were quarreling over matters of lesser importance. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Obviously, a person's salvation does not ride upon his or her opinion of Israel, but there is another problem. Sometimes a person's theology affects the way he or she treats Israel. This does not have to be the case and should not be the case, but often it is the case. Paul tried to spare us this sad irony. His warning should be no small observation. Don't forget, the same Paul, who was unconcerned about minor disagreement, still wrote Romans chapter 11, a serious caution to Gentiles. He went out of his way to express concerns about Jewish Gentile relations. Many who accept replacement theology, which is making a comeback with evangelicals, tend to feel that they must now take on the plight of the Palestinians and turn on Israel. What on earth does one have to do with the other? Supposing replacement theology actually was biblical. It 
isn't, but supposing it was. Why would that suddenly put modern Israel in the wrong and the terrorists threatening to destroy her in the right? Whatever your view of prophecy, in fact, whatever your view of the Bible itself, you must understand that very little of what we are hearing today about the Middle East is true. Contrary to popular opinion, Israel is not occupying somebody else's land. Neither are the Palestinians interested in any two-state solution. They were offered their own state right from the start. They turned it down. What the Palestinian authorities want is the total annihilation of Israel. One does not have to believe in literal prophecy to understand this dangerous poison. While modern day Israel is certainly an important discussion in its own right, such a detailed explanation goes beyond the scope of today's radio program. For those interested, I have written an entire book which elaborates on that subject quite deeply. It's called The Holocaust Against Israel. Or if you prefer listening to reading a few weeks of Ago, I did a three-part series on the history of the Israelis and the Palestinians. You can still go to the archives of this podcast, cgmradio.com slash Bob, and you can download those programs at any time. My point right now is that bad theology sometimes morphs into bad politics or ignorance about important world events. Since we began our discussion by assessing the church's treatment of the Jews, the Christian's attitude toward the state of Israel cannot be ignored either. This is Bob Siegel making the obvious obvious. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob. Bob.